It's time. Landeskog turned it over to Horvat, right to the slot. Pedersen scores! Is there anything this kid can't do? For Locked On Canucks. Now Pedersen out the right wing side. Saucer pass, left circle. Besser shoots and scores! It was good that Brock Lesnar got a goal. You got a journalist of nut! The kids continue to get it done with Justin Morissette. He's a weird dude, yeah. It's good to have weird dudes. You're locked on Canucks for the evening of Wednesday, February the 10th. My name is Justin Morissette, and uh, welcome to the show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. <sighs> tough, tough one. Tough show today. Don't know how much I'm going to talk about uh, the Canucks themselves and their on-ice struggles, but maybe with the way the team's going, it'd be nice to take a break from uh, dissecting the way things are going wrong for them. And instead, we can talk about an even more depressing topic, the way things are going wrong uh, for sports media here in the city of Vancouver. And I don't feel like it is especially, uh, you know, myopic or or, um, staying within my own bubble to dedicate an entire episode to this, because I feel like that is the, the general vibe of the sports fan in Vancouver, the sports fan in British Columbia, the, the people who follow Vancouver sports, no matter where in the world they might happen to be tuning in from. Uh, it's not a it's not a fun time right now. Yesterday was not a good day. Uh, today is not a good day. They, if anything, I felt even worse. Twenty four hours removed from the announcement uh, that. Bell Media has decided to pull the plug on TSN 1040 as a station uh, going forward. That, um, you know, a, a station that was right on the cusp of celebrating its 20th anniversary in operation, uh, two decades of growing the conversation and uh, creating a, a communal culture uh, for sports fans in this province, uh, just gone. Just done. Over with the push of a button from Toronto. The mics went off, the board went off, and uh, a automated you know, voiceover message came on and, and thanked the, the listeners for tuning in for the past 20 years, but that's it. You know, it's, it's done. Good riddance. That is literally how they said goodbye, by playing Good Riddance, Time of Your Life by Green Day. But it just couldn't be... Uh, more callous, more cold, the way that this came down, the way that this affects so many people. And first of all, I do want to express my just absolute condolences to everyone who lost their jobs in those cuts. Uh, It's not just Vancouver. It was right across the country. I believe the stations in Ottawa and Winnipeg were axed as well. Um, And and it's not just sports either, because... uh, you know, there were cuts to TSN on the TV side earlier in the week, and Bell had gutted a ton of their newsrooms right across the country the week before that, too. 
they're going to come out and say that this is all about budget reasons, that this is all about the changing landscape of media and, and that these were all inevitabilities that the, you know, the pandemic had nothing to do with this and uh, people's uh, appetites and, and habits are changing and nobody is tuning in the way they so on, etc. They're going to try and pass it off like that's what this is and that's not what this is. You know, never mind the fact that Bell Media took $122 million in a federal wage subsidy uh, for COVID-19 purposes to continue keeping people on the payroll throughout the pandemic. First of all, that wage subsidy was never intended for a large-scale company like Bell in the first place. That thing was designed to help local, small, mom-and-pop, independently-owned businesses. So the fact that a massive telecom company that is flush with cash would claim it is dubious in the first place. Even more dubious, the fact that they didn't even use it for its intended purpose. They took that money, $122 million, and they still turned around and axed countless jobs across this country, uh, hundreds of jobs in media right across this country, both in sports and news. And these are people's lives that we are talking about here. People's full-time jobs, people with families, people with, you know, uh, children, with mouths to feed, who now have to go through the difficult process of trying to find a new source of income in the middle of a global pandemic. And just the callousness with which it happened is astonishing. To do it with so little notice that even the program director himself only found out this was happening two minutes before the message went out over the air to bring people into a meeting and via conference call tell them they are all being laid off and only have 30 minutes to gather their stuff and get the fuck out because security is coming uh, to do shutdown protocol or whatever the exact wording was. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned this on Twitter, and this is, this is like such a small detail in terms of the way this whole situation is awful and inexcusable and just so, so bad from a Bell perspective, not even 10 days removed from their massive uh, mental health marketing campaign, which, let's be clear, is just free publicity for them. Uh, you know, yes, there is a root message at the heart of it that is good, uh, but the, the play that it gets right across the world, basically, they take over the entire internet all day. American companies, American celebrities tweet about Bell Let's Talk. Uh, everybody is doing this thing, and it is just... It's just PR. That's all it is. It is a PR campaign to make this company look good. So when you think of Bell, you think of the fact that they support mental health and not the fact that they did terrible things like this to people, uh, hardworking people, successful people right across the country uh, and just put them out of jobs uh, because uh, they needed to provide dividends to their shareholders. That's what this is about. It is not about the fact that Team 1040 was not a success. Team 1040 was a huge success. If Team 1040 is not making money, if Team 1040 is not a profitable and successful business model within radio right now, then I don't know how any radio station exists, quite frankly. How any radio station can look to survive. Uh, if, the, if the station that was dominating this market absolutely dominating. Look, 
they had a competition. Sportsnet 650 came into the market three and a half years ago. I'm very happy that we did. I'm very happy to work there. Uh, I respect the hell out of our competitor. And, and, and while there was a competition there, you know, the war itself uh, was not a war to the soldiers actually fighting it. Uh, to the generals, the bosses, yes, it was a war. To the listeners, absolutely, certainly, it was a war. Uh, but to the troops, the, the soldiers, the, the actual broadcasters who populate the staff of both stations, I got no beef with those guys. You know, they, they're, they're wearing a different jersey, but uh, they followed the same path that I did. Um, and when you're in this industry and you have a sense of camaraderie with these people because you've all made sacrifices, enormous sacrifices to be where you are. Uh, to, to, to better the brand, basically. This is not an industry, you know, uh, roommate of the show, former guest of the show, and future guest of the show, J.D. Burke, made the point on social media the other day. You don't get into radio uh, to make money. You don't get into radio thinking you're going to become rich. Nobody does. Not in sports, not in music radio, not in any facet of it. You do it because you're passionate. Because this is the only thing that you want to do all day long, is have dumb arguments about food and about sports and about the things that don't matter in life. To uh, just, you know, spend your time doing that. That's the dream. That's why you do it, because it's fun. And because you can't imagine doing anything else. That's why you get into this. And when you are doing that, throughout the process of, you know, climbing to the top of the mountain, throughout all of uh, your career, you're asked to do so many things, and a lot of them are not things that you want to do. A lot of them uh, involve giving up your social life and not having evenings to yourself and not having weekends, not even knowing what the word weekend is. Uh, to, to do that, you know, you're dedicated to yourself on some level. Yes, you want to advance your career and you want to prove to your company that, uh, that you are a safe bet and someone that they should back and all that stuff. Yes, but you are also doing it to build up the brand. You are doing it because you are loyal to what you are doing and you believe in it. And the company that you're doing it for, man, they, they do not turn around and reward you with that loyalty in return in this business all too often. And the worst part is, look, there's a lot of very talented people who lost their jobs uh, at 1040 who are going to land on their feet, who are going to uh, find new roles in new places because they're just that damn good. They are undeniably talented. They are the best uh, at what they do, and they're going to find a new place to do it, I'm sure. But not all of them will. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to make that prediction because I would hate for it to be true. But that is just simply the fact of the matter in an ever-shrinking media landscape when we are seeing cuts and contractions a lot more often than we're seeing expansion and new jobs, uh, certainly. That this is a game of musical chairs and not everybody is going to find a seat in the end. That is the hard part of days like yesterday. Uh, and it's even harder for the kids who are in BCIT right now or, or in any number of broadcast schools, uh, whether that's SATE or NATE or wherever people study radio. You know, it's not just even BCIT, just within uh, Vancouver itself. I guess you could be a Van Arts student or go to any number of places. That's not important. What is important is that 
those kids are coming out of school to a shrinking market even worse than I did when I came out of school in 2012. You may have heard that I uh, have gone through a bit of a health ordeal over the last several months and I'm uh, on the mend right now. Part of that recovery process has involved going to physio quite a lot. I have physio appointments uh, multiple times a week, uh, a little early in the morning. I don't always wake up in time to have a nice breakfast and start my day off right before I have to go to the gym and really uh, get to work on uh, rebuilding my leg here. This is real. This is real. I don't always have time for breakfast, but what I do have time for on my way out the door before I head to physio is a Built Bar. And you might be wondering, what is that? Well, I'm going to tell you right now. The Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. I have the sampler box in my home right now. That is uh, not just a slogan. That is the truth. These things are covered in chocolate uh, and are soft and easy to chew. They are delicious as well. Just listen to some of these flavors. Uh, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, a personal favorite of mine, that one right there. The lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, peanut butter brownie. Uh, the list goes on. Salted caramel, raspberry. It is one one thing to uh, try to ascribe a name to a flavor of a health product like this. It's another thing to actually live up to the promise of those names. And I can tell you uh, that the peanut butter brownie tastes exactly what you would want a peanut butter brownie bar to taste like. These things are delicious. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy. They can help you lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat at the same time. They are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. Great for the keto diet, and if you want to try them, I want to help you do that. Uh, all you have to do is head on over to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. Just use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. I saw a really good point made on Twitter yesterday by Tyler Bennett, uh, who talked about the fact that this is not just a crushing blow uh, to Vancouver as a media market, to the uh, the listeners here, of course, who are going to very much miss the station that they tuned into every day. Uh, it's a crushing blow to basically sports broadcasting as a whole within Western Canada because if you are one of the lucky few who gets to intern at 1040 and winds up with a job coming out of that internship, uh, congratulations, but you should know, and, and I bet you do know, exactly how lucky you are to be in that position because that is not the path for the vast majority of kids who go through broadcast school who want to get into the radio industry. You're going to have an internship in a uh, massive market in a big spot like 1040, and you're going to take the work and references that you got from that internship and turn it into a job in Moose Jaw or... In my case, Chetwin, British Columbia, and Dawson Creek, BC, or any number of small towns right across this country. Uh, that was a springboard spot and, and a sought-after internship. When I was in BCIT, uh, when I graduated nine years ago, I did not get to intern at TSN 1040. I got to do some cool stuff myself. I got to work with Hockey Canada at the World Junior A Challenge as an on-camera reporter. I got to go uh, down to Los Angeles and be um, a social media intern for a massive comedy podcast network down there. It was a ton of fun. But I did not get to intern at TSN 1040 because it was too sought after. And I did not show up early enough 
to get to the request board to be one of the first five names uh, on the sheet to go intern at TSN because that is where everyone who's going to study for sports wanted to end up because, spoiler alert, if you are of a certain age in this province and have a passion for sports broadcasting, that's not just where you wanted to intern, it's where you wanted to work as well. And that is true for me. As someone who works at Sportsnet 650, look, I am very, very so glad to have a job and so thrilled and uh, proud to work for the company that I work for. Uh, But, you know, Sportsnet 650 is not something that existed when I was growing up. It's not something that existed when I was going through school. I worked at the station the very first day that it was on the air, which means when I was you know, uh, going through BCIT or when I was a teenager having formative experiences and deciding what I wanted to do with my life, I wasn't thinking about a station that didn't exist at the time. I wanted to work for the Team 1040. And so did so many people who are in this industry today who uh, did not work at 1040 but were just so saddened to see it go yesterday because I still wanted to work there, you know? Uh, down the line at some point who knows how things are going to work out for me at 650 that's the way this industry goes you lose a job somewhere you get another one somewhere else maybe you come back later uh, when things look a little different so on etc look we've seen jeff patterson himself uh, get laid off from tsn 1040 in the past and come back only to lose his job there uh, once again this week but that is kind of the way this industry works sometimes regardless As someone who works at Sportsnet, I know this is a weird thing for me to say, but it's true. I so badly wanted to work at TSN 1040, both when I was coming out of school and still sometime maybe in the future. I would have loved to have uh, just been in the very studio where so many legendary moments went down. So many things that I listened to while I was driving to school, while I was driving around town, while I was living my life as a young person in this city, listening to the radio in my car over the years. That is where all those magic moments happened. And it does put a lot of pressure on us at 650 now as well, you know, to uh, live up to what people expect from sports radio in this city, a standard that was undoubtedly set over the last two decades by the Team 1040. Because look, in much the same way that we herald Jason Botchford as the godfather of Canucks Twitter, the man who birthed that community, when you look around this market right now and you see how many podcasts exist and the level of passion that exists around Canucks conversations, to borrow a phrase from my friends Chris Faber and David Quadrelli. Uh, you know, the, le- the level of passion that exists around this team, whether it's in uh, the blogosphere or uh, whether it's in the podcast scene, which is booming. There's, You know, as far as NHL teams go, I would imagine there are more Canucks podcasts than there are for any other team. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Toronto rivals uh, the Vancouver podcasting scene. But regardless... In much the same way that Jason Botchford birthed the Canucks Twitter scene, the Canucks podcast scene comes entirely from the legacy and the groundwork laid by Team 1040 over the last two decades. They set the conversation and they set the style as well. Because Vancouver is a tricky market. It is. We're different. Toronto doesn't understand us always. 
sometimes ever, you know? Uh, and, and that is what the team gave us, was not just sports talk in Vancouver, but Vancouver sports talk. Uh, a brand all to our own, you know? Not, not, not a lot of people, outsiders, people from uh, the East Coast, can typically understand the culture of what is going on sporting-wise within this city. We're unique. I don't know. I couldn't explain exactly how we're different than the way sports get talked about in Toronto, but they just are. I I, I feel it in my bones, you know? I, you just listen to radio in Vancouver and you listen to sports radio in other places, it's not the same thing. Um, Vancouver's a little more playful, a little more silly, a little more goofy quite often. And as someone who, man, like, th- that's the biggest thing to me. Like, what a, what an influence it has had on just me, myself, you know, as I look back over my career and the things that I wanted to do and the things I have done. And we'll get back to that in just a second, but right now I want to tell you that Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are still in full swing, and Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television. It is updated real-time with odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I like to think that I am something of a comedically inclined person. You might uh, see that maybe reflected in my work both on this show and many shows that I've worked on uh, in the last five to ten years, really. But when I was going through school uh, at BCIT some ten years ago, you know, the the loudest sports personality that you could see in the media landscape was maybe someone like Jay Onright. And even he was kind of looked at as like a goofy outsider. He did not have uh, accepted... Uh, you know, supreme leader status maybe that he occupies now as, you know, one of the flagship hosts of of TSN programming on television. He was certainly in that position before, but he would get talked about as an oddball or a weirdo and not someone that you should look at to emulate. Uh, But he was a hero to me, certainly. Uh, Locally, locally, in terms of when I was looking at, you know... uh, Something in the media landscape that reflected back at me the kind of work that I wanted to do, I found it on TSN 1040. I found it with the Curtain Bloggers. I found it with KB Radio. I found it with Mike Martinego and the Ralph Rantanego calls. I found it in guys who were doing sports talk that was smart and knowledgeable and informative, but most of all, entertaining, that married a kind of character-driven improv uh, comedy styling with sports talk radio, that it could be different, that it could be bigger than it is. It doesn't have to be two talking heads barking at each other about the way a basketball game went. It can be just as fun and, in- and entertaining and funny as any podcast that you listen to uh, on a daily basis. You know, the way that sports are talked about and the way that you want to engage with media in other places doesn't have to be different. And that was reflected back to me locally by those three guys, really. Halford and Bruff and Martin Ego, who were doing such just 
just painfully funny stuff. Uh, the, the kind of stuff that you would, your face would hurt from smiling so much from listening to. You know, I remember staying in my car, driving around, maybe even inventing reasons to go for a drive in the first place when KB Radio was on uh, on weeknights back in, I guess, 2011 or 20, 2012-ish when they were uh, non-game night evening content on 1040. You'd stay in the car and, and leave the engine running for, you know, upwards of five, ten minutes uh, listening to some of that stuff. And, and then... <laughs> And then they'd post the Ralph calls on SoundCloud, and I would come home from having been in the car listening to it live in the car, and I would put it on on my phone and, and listen to it and just cry myself to sleep at night in tears, laughing so hard at some of the stuff that these guys were coming up with. And as someone who had a big personality in school and going through a program with Really, all they're trying to instill in you in broadcast school, in my experience anyways, is a certain style of presentation so that you have a voice that says you're authoritative without actually teaching you the skills that make you authoritative. Um, That's neither here nor there. But regardless, as a goofy person going through that system, constantly being told that my personality and the things that make me unique and the things that I find funny... Uh, are not to be put on display, are not to be uh, a feature part of my presentation uh, as an on-screen or uh, on-mic presenter. Um, You know, I can't tell you how important it was to see something within the, the market that was not just pushing the boundaries of what was thought to be acceptable on sports radio, but also was popular was striking a nerve was hitting it with an audience that was so appreciative of something new and I worry that we're going to lose that a little bit in in not having a second option because as you know as much as some might think that it's a great day for Sportsnet 650 when TSN shuts its doors and uh, no longer exists and the war is over and there's only one contestant remaining uh, it's not a good day Competition drives innovation, and uh, I'm not saying that without competition that everybody at 650 is just going to rest on their laurels now and are not going to bring you the best shows that they can on a daily basis, but from a programming perspective, maybe there is a big swing that 650 was thinking about taking to try something new. Uh, to to get people to uh, tune in more than they had been previously that they don't need to take anymore. Or maybe that big swing was going to come from 1040 and it's not coming. Competition drives innovation. It pushes uh, people to bring their best on a daily basis. It pushes you to be better. You want to outperform the other guy, but you don't want them to be so thoroughly outperformed that they don't have a job anymore, you know? Uh, I think especially the fact that they were winning the ratings war to such an extent, there's a lot of people with pride in the building at 650 who uh, really appreciated having a powerful opponent uh, who wanted to fight against it with all they had and see if we could uh, turn that tide somewhat. You know, it, it feels like... Uh, it feels like 
going through, I don't know, like a Street Fighter type tournament or like Mike Tyson's Punch Out, and you arrive uh, at the giant boss fight, you're about to face Mike Tyson himself, only to be informed that uh, the fight is canceled because uh, he will never fight again. And, uh, you know, actually, that'd probably be a good thing for someone like Mike Tyson. I don't know. I don't want to. Uh, maybe there is a comparison there. Tyson Foods and all that stuff. But uh, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. It's just a it's a sad one. And, um, yeah, I, I just I have so many memories of that station as a listener and a caller. I remember calling up Dave Pratt on the day that he was just convinced, utterly convinced that the Canucks absolutely had to, had no choice but to pursue a trade with the Toronto Maple Leafs where they would send Ryan Kessler, Corey Schneider, Alex Edler, and a first-round pick to the Leafs in exchange for Matt Sundin uh, in a year where the Canucks would go on to miss the playoffs. I That's the only time I was ever inspired enough to actually call into 1040. Uh, and I sat in my ex-girlfriend's driveway for like 10 minutes waiting to get on the air just so I could tell Dave, this team can't come back if it's trailing after two periods. They've never done it all season long. This is not a good team. This is not the team to push all of your chips in. If you really want Matt Sundin, go out and back a truckload of money into his driveway on July 1st and see if he'll come to your team next season. Do not give up every asset you have that is going to make this club look enticing for the next however long. Anyway, Dave called me a moron and hung up on me. And uh, <laughs> I think we know exactly what happened that offseason. That is a cherished memory of mine as it comes to 1040. I also have cherished memories of living in Los Angeles uh, during the 2012 playoff run. And um, I went to both of the games in L.A. that year, my first time being in a Canucks playoff game. Uh, and I have still never attended a Canucks playoff game in Rogers Arena, just in the Staples Center somehow. Uh, but regardless, uh, and I do recall that series following along with the home games in particular, uh, the games that were played in Vancouver, and listening to the postgame show with Jeff Patterson and, te- and, tw- and tweeting in to the postgame show uh, back in 2012 when interacting via Twitter was still something of a novelty and hearing Jeff read my tweets into the show uh, and him interacting with me and, and even commenting on the fact that I was following along from Los Angeles because he somehow knew where I was and what I was doing with my life at that point. And, uh, you know, it was, there were, it's a sense of community. You know, when you look back at the, the way things have gone for this city the last couple of years, uh, sporting-wise, and you think about the events that have taken place, um, community events, some happy, some sad. The Botchford Memorial event at uh, the Commodore, for example. Before Botch passed away, there were, of course, uh, that athletic event at the Rio Theater. There was an athletic event in the basement of the Pint Pub. And those are athletic events nominally, yes. But the community that is gathering around those events, the people that attended those events, that is the community that was built by the Team 1040. Um, There's just no two ways about it. And it's really terrible. It's really terrible when these cuts happen every time they happen, 
but when they are just so nakedly unjustifiable, it's it's hard. How do you how do you how do you how do you make sense of the fact that the it, you know the market leading station that was just crushing the competition and only was doing better and better during the pandemic can't survive is not a profitable business is not sustainable how do you make sense of that because uh i don't know about you but uh makes no sense at all to me and that's our show for today uh i will be back tomorrow to tee up the canucks taking on the calgary flames in the first of four straight between these two teams I believe largely uh, all at Rogers Arena. They might flip back and forth between the two cities. I'm not entirely sure. But um, either way, (laughs) Canucks are back in action on Thursday night against the Flames. I will be back tomorrow to tee up the game and back on Friday morning to talk about it as well. Uh, Hopefully a little bit more happy than today's show was. But look, I could have talked for longer still. I have... I got a lot of memories. I had a lot of hopes and dreams pinned to that place too, but uh, they're gone because because it's something unpredictable that in the end is wrong. I hope you learn to pick a better song. <laughs> That's your Locked On for the day. Until tomorrow, I have been and will continue to be Justin Morissette, and you've been locked in on Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.